Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word came from, but it seems that most folks have their own idea of what it is. Everything from run-down mobile homes full of meth heads to beautiful mountaintop views. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world and once stood over 30,000 feet into the air. They span the eastern North America from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley. I was born and raised in these very mountains. I, for one, know that they're a source of unending tales and adventure. I also know that the views of an Appalachian as to what happens outside these mountains is a bit different than one might think. Join me as uh, we take a journey through these old Appalachian mountains and beyond. I think you'll be surprised at how it goes. Welcome to Season 3 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Howdy, my good friends. Thank you once again for stopping by today. I hope you're doing well. Sometimes people have a way of surviving dang near anything, but when I read about this one, blame near knocked my hat in the creek. I remember seeing it on the news back when it happened, but somehow I never got around to reading the whole story. But so, well, come all ye faithful, and let me tell you about this Christmas miracle, which happened, and yeah, did happen outside the Appalachian Mountains, but... Folks, this one still needs telling. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Folks, Hans Wilhelm Maria and Julianne Margaret Beatty Kapke lived a different life than most folks did. While having grown up in Germany, Hans and Maria made the decision to move to Peru where they would further advance their respective careers. Now, they were scientists who studied animals. Once their daughter Julianne was born, she would go on to enjoy the wholesome childhood where she would <clears throat> gain her education on topics that were <clears throat> barely if ever covered in the classroom. Not a bad deal to have two scientists as teachers, I'd say, wouldn't you? But Hans Wilhelm Kepke and Maria Mukulitz Radicki first laid eyes on each other as students at the University of Kiel. Following their studies, the couple made a life-changing decision to move to Peru. <clears throat> While they may seem like a peculiar change of lifestyle, it was the decision that <clears throat> made the but made for the sake of the progressing their careers. After all, Hans was a zoologist, ornithologist, and herpetologist, while his wife, Maria, was an ornithologist. 
While in Peru, the couple studied birds, flora, and wildlife, and even went on to write several books together. In addition, Maria also did research on neotropical bird species in Pacalpa. Now, on October 10, 1954, Hans and Maria celebrated the birth of their daughter, Julianne. While raised in the capital city of Lima, Julianne experienced a far different childhood than other children born in, uh, of German descent that lived in the area. Instead of relying on formal schooling as the only means of education, Julianne received an opportunity to uh, occupy or accompany her children, or her parents, excuse me, I'm getting crossed up here, accompanying her parents on research trips. There, we can get it spit out, can't we? This allowed her to study wildlife firsthand. As a result of her personal exposure to nature, Julianne developed a passion that well, copied her parents. It's like they say the apple just don't fall far from the tree. Now with Christmas fast approaching, <clears throat> the Kepke family were desperate to celebrate their holidays together. Unfortunately, Julianne and Maria were separated from Hans at the time. In fact, Julianne hadn't been able to see her father for probably two or three months or maybe a little bit longer. So Maria and Julianne started to plan a trip to see Hans over Christmas. While the family wanted to spend time together over the holiday, <clears throat> that seemed like a pretty reasonable wish to me. Fate had other plans for the Kepkes, and fate don't care what somebody wants or needs. So originally, Maria planned for herself and her daughter to take a flight to Pacalpa a few days before Christmas. The logic behind that plan was to ensure that they could get tickets before the airlines would pick them all overloaded and overbooked and crowded and that way they could avoid the christmas rush now yeah even back then there was still a christmas rush julianne disagreed with this plan because she needed to attend a graduation ceremony seeing as this was a once-in-a-lifetime event maria decided it would uh, be probably best for him to go ahead and attend the graduation <clears throat> And that were good friends with a decision that would prove fateful in the long run, in the long term of things. Now, now that Maria had went along with Julianne's wishes, flights were quickly filling up. And in order to get to Pacalpa in time for Christmas, Maria and Julianne were left with only one option. The only flight with seats available was provided by a controversial Peruvian airline. This airline earned its questionable reputation because of two of its planes being involved in recent crashes. Still, the mother and daughter <clears throat> remained determined to get a Pacalpa flight and get to Pacalpa in time to spend Christmas together with Hans. With their hearts set on the flight to Pacalpa, Maria and Julianne ignored the risks. Or maybe they were just playing the odds. Odds are, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that if the airline already had two crashes, they wasn't likely to have another one anytime soon. <clears throat> but on the 24th of December, 1971, Maria and Julianne made their way to the Jorge Chavez International Airport for their flight. While waiting to board the plane, news began to circulate that the plane was running late. Well, that's just about normal then, ain't it? But <clears throat> this update caused panic among the airline passengers waiting for their flight. While the flight itself was only meant to take an hour, passengers were now wondering whether or not they would even make it home for Christmas, you know, before old man Claus made his appearance. But after the passengers got all worked up, the plane finally arrived at the terminal, fully prepared for takeoff. 91 passengers and crew members hurried toward the plane in order to make it to their loved ones for Christmas. 
Once everybody was seated and strapped in, the cabin crew issued an apology, of course, for the delay. <clears throat> Upon takeoff, the skies were clear and the flight seemed to be going as scheduled. But, of course, conditions started deteriorating and things started to take a turn for the worse. And that would be why I'm sitting here telling you about it right now. <clears throat> Out of the wild blue yonder, the skies that were once clear started to turn all dark. With the plane surrounded by dark, dangerous clouds, the crew members weren't the only ones who started to sense a risk <clears throat> that was coming up. Now, even more anxiety started to build amongst the passengers, like they wasn't already worked up enough. But now the crew had a decisive choice to make, either conduct an emergency landing or take the risk of continuing the flight. And with just 35 minutes to go until they reached their destination, the crew decided to keep on going so as not to spoil the passengers' holiday plans because they were already that dumb mad enough. So, at an altitude of 21,000 feet, all of the lights on the plane started to go out, and they completely blacked out. Fear started to crawl up the spines of the passengers on, the bo on board as the plane started to shake violently. And it was at that moment that the plane veered off its flight path. Suddenly, the overhead compartments busted open and luggage and handbags, gifts, and Christmas cakes flying out all over the place. Passengers' wine glasses were toppling over and the liquid contents just spattered everywhere all over the plane. The plane was in a state of disarray, I, I guess to say the least. While the passengers were already <clears throat> putting up with a traumatic experience there, their situation was only going to get just about as bad as it could get. Amongst the chaos in the cabin, Julia and Maria looked out the window only to see a bolt of lightning strike the plane's fuel tanks. The flaming fuel tanks flew right out of the airplane along with the right wing. Now, while the flight was only supposed to last another 15 minutes, both passengers and crew members found themselves fighting for their lives. It was at that moment that the plane started to nosedive. Now, during all that, the that ensued on the flight to Palkalpa. Uh, Hans Wilhelm was patiently waiting at the airport to greet his wife and daughter when they got there. He was completely unaware of the situation that was uh, hovering above his head in the clouds. Now, time continued to pass and there was still no sign of his wife and daughter. At this stage, his other family members and friend of his, of his started to grow anxious. And sadly, they had good reason to start worrying. Now, upon hearing news of the crash, Hans returned to his home in disbelief for a decorated living room and a Christmas tree lay in wait. Suddenly, two, two of the three people who were meant to enjoy the festive sights wouldn't be there any time soon to even enjoy them. Now, in a single moment, the Kepke family had been torn apart, while the grief-stricken Hans also felt guilt rise up in his soul as he couldn't help but imagine how things could have been different if he'd just taken the flight to Lima instead. Hans endured many sleepless nights, uh, lying in wait for the news of his family's whereabouts. Soon enough, well, folks, he would get the answer. Following the disaster, a search operation for a lens of Flight 508 was underway. Unfortunately, with the crash site being somewhere in the Amazon jungle, the search would prove incredibly difficult, even given the harsh weather conditions on top of that. Now, in the next few days, the traumatic news of the plane's crash would be passed on to the people who were still searching for their loved ones. Due to falling from 21,000 feet, there was little chance of survival for any of the crew or passengers. 
Christmas turned from a <clears throat> time of joy, folks, to a time of mourning. And Hans and anybody else, I guess, that was tied to the flight. Such a tragedy at Christmas, uh, no less, was uh, completely unacceptable in the eyes of the public. Soon enough, widespread protest directed at the airline erupted with the members of the public calling for answers. And who don't blame them? I couldn't. While the airline attributed the tragedy to the unprecedentedly strong lightning strike, the authorities and the general public weren't going to accept that as an answer. Not only were 91 passengers' lives in the balance, but this was the third recent plane crash involving the same Peruvian airline. Clearly, something was wrong with their planes or the way they was flying to blame things, one or the other, or both. Now that he had lost his wife and daughter, Hans was clueless about what to do next. He had no idea who told, who to hold responsible for the tragedy or how to move on with, the, with his life. Fortunately, an investigation into the cause of the crash was about to get underway. After a thorough inspection of the incident, the authorities determined that the tragedy was the fault of the airlines. The Electra, the model of the plane that was used during the fateful flight, was not designed to operate in extreme weather conditions. This is the reason for the plane's failure to handle the high turbulence as well as the destruction of the right wing and fuel tank. While the crash was fateful for so many passengers, it also proved fateful for the livelihood of the airline involved. Following the investigation, the authorities had recordings that proved that how even after knowing the bad weather that the crew decided just to, well, we'll just keep going. This failure to put the lives of the passengers ahead of deadlines resulted in the termination of Lanza Airlines' license to operate. While the story of this airline came to an unequivocal end, Han's story wasn't over yet. Some details of the horrific incident were still unknown to the public. In one chilling moment, Maria told her daughter, this is it, as the plane began its nosedive. Gradually, the plane started to break into pieces with passengers flying off in different directions. Now, you ain't heard nothing yet, folks. I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend with Larry Bentley. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, at the height of 10,000 feet, the seats on the plane were unhinged and they broke away from the floor they were bolted to. With such high air pressure, Julianne would, could barely open her eyes, still buckled in her chair. The 17-year-old was in free fall with no parachute to break her fall. As soon as she was able to open her eyes, Julianne saw the, that she was headed for the Amazonian treetops. With such a rapid change in altitude, everything went black for Julianne as she landed in the trees, still fastened to her seat. Still another bizarre twist of the story was about to unfold. After such a devastating crash, the thought of there being any survivors was immediately dismissed in the minds of those who lost family members in this tragedy. The assumption is well justified, of course, folks, because, you know, given the fact that uh, they were in free fall for over 10,000 feet, Yet, 
Against all odds, somebody did manage to pull off uh, the impossible, folks. She was unconscious for more than 24 hours, plagued with a broken collarbone and her body engulfed in numerous wounds, yet at the same time, uh, she was alive and able to walk. 17-year-old Julianne was a survivor. And folks, you can imagine how big and mean the horseflies must have been down there. <laughs> While <clears throat> she may have survived the plane crash, Julianne still had to find a way to survive on her own in the wilderness. After all, the plane landed in the Amazon rainforest, a place riddled with snakes and other deadly creatures. That's another place in the world, folks, where everything you run across tries to kill you, whether it can or not. Now, Julianne had no food supplies, and her clothes were damp and torn to shreds. Uh, to add further insult to injury, she was without her glasses, meaning that uh, she, her short-sightedness kept her from seeing anything that wasn't really up on top of her and close. Still, the, she soldiered on in search of her mother, calling her name for hours on end. Sadly, there just wasn't any response, of course. Having already searched for her mother for well over a day, Julianne was hit hard with the possibility that her mother hadn't survived the crash. While this was a harsh reality to come to terms with, Julianne understood that she had to keep moving in order to preserve her own life. With her realization was heartbreaking as it was, it did help Julianne understand that from that moment on, she was truly on her own. Now she had one task to focus on, and that was surviving the wilderness. While this is certainly a dangerous situation to be in, Julianne was more prepared for it than most other people her age. She went on numerous field trips with her parents during which she had received training that focused on survival techniques. In fact, Julianne had spent months with her family in research station located 30 miles from the crash. She started to move forward, throwing her shoe in the direction that she was about to walk in order to scare off any snakes or poisonous spiders that might be laying in wait for her. While equipped with a vast knowledge of the wilderness, Julianne was without any form of survival tools or supplies. In fact, the only clothes that she had on were the short miniskirt and a torn-up short-sleeved top. Now, making her exposed to all forms of insects, and <laughs> I bet they already made a buffet out of her while she was knocked out. But without a pocket knife, Julianne was unable to cut off palm limbs or anything else to eat sugar out of, and without a lighter, she was unable to send up any smoke signals. Even building a shelter just was completely impossible because you couldn't cut anything. After four days of wandering through the wilderness, Julianne stumbled on a piece of the plane. In an <clears throat> uncanny coincidence, this was actually a section of the plane that she was sitting in during the flight. Included amongst all the wreckage was a row of seats, which a number of passengers were still strapped into. Of course, they weren't alive. And as she scanned the ground nearby, Julianne spotted a Christmas cake that had fallen. But unfortunately, the cake was already being eaten up by the big old ants down there. The only food that she could salvage was a sealed bag of lollipops. Well, that'll do. <clears throat> While this was you know, kind of a devastating to behold, Julianne continued on her journey. Soon enough, she heard the sound uh, that offered a glimmer of hope to her. This was the sound of water running nearby. Because of her detailed knowledge, Julianne knew that the Peruvian people tend to live near sources of water as a means of ease of accessibility. But she did also know that wild animals like to head to these water sources to get themselves a drink too. When she got to the stream, 
Julianne knew she was in for a grueling challenge. While she used a long stick to check for electric eels and stingrays, the dirty water made Julianne's wounds hurt even worse. With water up to her waist, Julianne battled against the fast-flowing water in the stream, fortunately, and the violent current prevented the piranhas from eating her alive. Once she arrived in the river shore, Julianne spotted a crocodile lurking in the murky water, which, to her luck, crocodile showed no interest in Juliana, and once she got past the croc, which is to us North Americans a souped-up alligator that stays pissed off all the time, Juliana noticed a boat. While somebody else might have just took the boat and made a break for it, Juliana used the boat's gasoline to disinfect her wounds. It was then that she saw a hut in the distance. While the hut was unoccupied, the starving and exhausted girl decided to rest there until hopefully help would arrive. Seeing as she no longer had the strength to keep walking like she was and in a tangled up rainforest. Now, Juliana stumbled on the hut at the most opportune time that she could have. This is, to me, is proof, folks, that things do happen for a reason. We might not know or guess what the reason are, but they, they just do. While she tried to catch frogs in order to eat them, is a good thing she didn't because these frogs are poison dart frogs, but Juliana couldn't see them good enough to identify them due to her missing glasses. After 11 days of isolation, three Peruvian Indian tree cutters stumbled on her while she slept in the hut. As soon as she explained her story to them, they disinfected her wounds and transported her to the nearest village. That boat trip took over three hours. In a bittersweet minute, father and daughter were united and... While grieving from the loss of Maria, Hans was very thankful for the return of his daughter, especially since she was a lone survivor of the crash. Tragically, 14 other people also initially survived the crash, but later succumbed to their wounds while waiting to be rescued. It was with Juliana's help that the authorities managed to locate the crash site and make this heart-wrenching discovery. Now, Juliana's survival techniques and skillfulness in the wilderness had yet again served a great purpose. How's Juliana's life today? Well, I'm glad you asked. After bravely surviving such a savage situation, Juliana became, uh, or made the decision that she couldn't live in Peru any longer. Who would blame her? And she left for Germany a few months after the incident with her father joining her there two years later. Now, Juliana molded her passion for wildlife into a career as she went on to become a mammologist. And this is no doubt a career choice inspired by a legacy of her parents. In 2011, Juliana released an award-winning autobiography titled When I Fell from the Sky. Today, Juliana Kepke-Diller works as a, librarian, as a librarian in Munich where she lives with her husband, and her survival was absolutely nothing shy of a Christmas miracle, folks. Folks, I hope you got something out of our story today. I just couldn't let it go without telling you about it. If you did, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to follow us on whatever podcatcher you're listening on. I'll be taking my obligatory holiday break, and I'll be returning for season four. Oh, long toward the end of January, but you know me, it's probably going to be sooner than that because I just can't stay shut up that long. Thank you so much for listening and helping the podcast grow. I never thought it would do this, but I'm grateful to each and every one of you. And, uh, of course, there's one more episode that will be dropping in just a little bit. And, you know, 
or as you know, it's our special version of the night before Christmas, all new again this year. So have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'll be back real soon with another Appalachian murder mystery or legend, and I will see you then.